last time. Fellas, ladies, people of all ages, welcome to the Delightfully Dandy Dudes. I had a dream about being like a knight, but... <laughs> oh, the shitty one? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. I was constantly like every time like I, I would glimpse back into it, I would, I would keep like showing up in mud. <laughs> I was at this birthday party, right, and then just all of a sudden, my house filled up with the most amount of people it possibly could. But they were all looking at me, like I like I farted in the room or something. <laughs> so I leave my own house. And then all of a sudden, the dream changes and it gets walking dead on my ass. I'm like, oh wait, I have my class ring from school. Ah, I can fly away. So I did the Green Lantern Superman shit and punched the air up. Started flying around and I was like, oh, thank God, the zombies are gone. And today. Well, ladies and gentlemen, today we have a special episode uh, of the Delightfully Dandy Dudes. We have a... Uh, I'll let him list off his... Uh, his uh, acknowledgments i guess you can say <laughs> uh, but uh this is my my father-in-law uh his name is rick um he is a very accomplished uh man and we figured it'd be very uh very fun and interesting to do a little interview with him today so i'll i'll let him introduce himself and uh tell about a little bit about himself okay hey, i have a question first uh did you choose your name because it can be shortened to 3D. Yes. Yeah. Triple okay. D. Our D&D episodes, we, we call it the 5Ds. The 5D episodes. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know. Where do I start? Just, uh, just say your name. Say what, what do you, you know, where you went to school. Say a little bit about yourself. Like, you know, where you worked at. And then we can go from there. Okay. Um... So, I was born in Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania, uh, as opposed to Eastern Pennsylvania. Uh, so, far away from Philadelphia, a lot closer to, uh, to Pittsburgh. And I... Uh, Quick I question. Grew up... What? Are you, a, are you a Steelers fan? Yes. I am a Steelers fan. I did not fan. know that. Steel curtain, <laughs> baby. Oh, oh, that's great. Oh, we're going to get along just fine. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, good. Hey, I should have worn my... Uh, my Steelers jersey. Um, uh, I have a, I have a, I have a TJ Watt jersey. Ah, oh, it's great. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> I'm also a Pirates fan, but they don't do too well. <laughs> fair. Um, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, but the Penguins, though, Penguins are pretty decent. Yeah, the Penguins weren't. You know, I left there. Wow. I left Western Pennsylvania in 1974. So the Penguins weren't a big deal. No, no, they they were just starting up, there. right? Yeah, uh -huh. my brother-in-law is a big Penguins fan. There you um, go. There I from that that area as well. So nice. Um, anyway, uh, just a, a, an aside. Um, since we were talking about the Steelers, one of the guys I used to work with uh, actually had been picked up by the Steelers. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. And he was, uh, I think he was, he roomed with Lynn Swan. Uh, what? They just, they picked him up? Like, was he doing any work for them or? No, I mean, I I don't know the history. 
Um, his, his name is Jamie, and he was one of the technicians that I had worked with uh, at IBM. He was the, the friendliest guy in the world. Um, also, as you can imagine, pretty big. Um, and he, he never made the final cut, um, but uh, he, you know, he knew he was there with Franco Harris and Lynn Swan and Mean Joe Green awesome. and, and all of that. Oh man, uh, oh, that would have been something. That's uh, crazy. Uh, a little aside. So anyway, uh, back to me. So I, uh, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania. I went to high school. Uh, well, I went to elementary school, high school. My elementary school doesn't exist anymore. They tore it down. Um, it was kind of a neat place. Uh, it was kind of reconfigured from uh, what used to be, I think, the, the school for the whole thing, for you know everybody from kindergarten the whole way up. Uh, but it's, it's gone. Uh, the fire escape was scary to get down when you went into uh, fourth, fifth, or sixth grade. There were these open tread uh, stairs that you had to go down for uh, a fire drill. Uh, and that was kind of scary because it was pretty darn high. Um, the third floor, which was closed, used to be like a, a big gym. And somehow I managed one day uh, to get up and kind of look around. And it was kind of you know dark and dusty. And um, anyway. So I went there, uh, grades one through six. Then we had we had junior highs back in Pennsylvania. We didn't have middle schools and high schools. Uh, so junior high was grades seven through nine, and nine to sorry ten, eleven, and twelve were the senior high school. And, you know, it's uh, it's funny because uh, we all all of us went to school in Bastrop, I believe, and we and they run off of the the four school system. Like, so we actually had uh, elementary, intermediate, middle, and then high school. Okay, is, you know, kind of crazy. What what was crazy I, about? Oh, uh, yeah, go ahead, Ian. I was like, but I moved from Mississippi in seventh grade, and in Mississippi, it's the same way as Pennsylvania. It's you have elementary school, mid or junior high, high school, and junior high was uh, seventh through yeah through ninth. Yeah. So I mean, you were really a, a freshman, and you were still in junior high school. Lovely. Yeah. And then you get to go no. to a new school as a sophomore and and be a freshman still. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, yeah. when I was in South Texas, the the schooling system it was in a three part, but elementary was it is was from pre K kindergarten up to fifth grade, and our junior high was sixth to eighth, and then we had the four year high school like senior high school. Right. So it was it was weird coming into Bastrop, and I'm like, you guys have an intermediate school for just three, four, and five. What is that? Like that I, that was <laughs> foreign to me. I was so confused when I first yeah. moved to Bastrop my sophomore year in high school. Yeah. Uh, well, it was uh, uh, on a, a note, real quick. I would just like to apologize for Ian's audio. He's at work right now using some pretty terrible earbuds. But he we didn't want he didn't want to miss his episode because it is a very special Somebody episode. Somebody in the background. Hello, that's Jess. <laughs> okay, uh, so but back to, uh, back to one of the interesting things, um, and I don't want to make this multi part, but who knows. Um, when I was in elementary school, the, the building had no cafeteria. 
I, I don't what? know if they did, but they didn't have the cafeteria. We were a block away from the senior high school. So for food, um, we would, the teachers would, you know, march us all up to the senior high school. And so you have these tiny little kids surrounded by these gigantic high school students. <laughs> now we had our, we had our own table. Uh, so they didn't bother us. And, but I think we still had to go through the line anyway. Um, so high school was interesting. You know, I was one of the nerds, um, and, uh, and continue to be or geek. Yeah. <laughs> nerds yeah, unite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're all, yeah. we're all the same boat as you, Rick. So, uh, what's that? Nerd power. I just said nerd power. Yeah. Nerd yeah. power. Let's go. So, um, you know, and uh, one of uh, one of my friends and I had a competition to see who could get their picture in the yearbook the most. Um, and I won. Nice. Uh, I, you know, it was like, you know, join every club you could. And <laughs> I don't know. I think I had like 23 or 24 pictures in the yearbook. Goodness Jeez. gracious. That's funny. <clears throat> Whoa. Whoa, that's 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 something unheard of for us nerds, you know. Twenty three <laughs> hey, pages. I was in the yearbook. I had I had two pictures in the yearbook. I had I had a like, like the side panel yeah. that's like I don't know, like three inches wide. Maybe I had like a panel of yeah. that about me skateboarding in high school. I had that oh, in the yearbook. Okay. I had I had my picture taken for the the page of my class on the yearbook. <laughs> if that counts. The uh, skateboards, I had, uh, you know, one of the clay wheel skateboards. And uh, I can't tell you how many pair of pants I ripped because um, you would hit the tiniest stone and it would just stop. And I wouldn't, you know, I don't I know. Maybe forward, forward. Guys, uh, I have to go. All right, bro. Bye. Sorry. Try to come back if you can. So anyway, I mean, high school was fun. Uh, I was definitely not one of the jocks. Um, I was kind of surrounded by a bunch of them. Uh, but, you know, some of them I knew from elementary school because we used to walk together uh, to elementary school. You know, a lot of the, the folks in the town I lived in uh, worked in the coal mines uh, that fed the steel industry out of Pittsburgh. So, um, I, we did a lot of strange things. Um, you know, physics teacher, you could always tell when you were going to have a quiz the next day, a surprise quiz the next day, because he would get mad at us and he would just take his book and slam it on the desk. And you know, that was a guarantee the next day you would have a quiz. Uh, hey, at least you got a warning. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things we did in chemistry class is, and you know, not not necessarily the best thing to do is we had magnesium ribbon, and we took it and we wound it around the stainless steel upright, and then we lit it. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. Oh my goodness! No way! Yeah. World of fire, I take it. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was. You know, it was a. A, a pretty short fire. 
Yeah, uh, yeah it's like think of it as like a like a fuse being wrapped around like a like a stainless steel column, pretty much, and they just lit exactly. it on fire. It just yeah, yeah, yeah it just yeah. yeah, it it lit up. Um, I bet that looked kind of cool though. Like magnesium burning, it, it burns different. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure what the teacher thought about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, not I, as enthused. I think I will be forever uh, remembering my time as the biology lab assistant um we had this tiny room it was probably no more than 10 by 10 and i got to be the person who would prepare get the specimens ready for all the dissections oh that's cool anything from earthworms up through frogs that's awesome Um, but during that time i inhaled one heck of a lot of formaldehyde (laughs) They came in these five-gallon drums, and you would just pull them out. Now, the advantage was that those people who were my friends would get the best specimens, and if there were ones that were partially decayed, those would go to people that I didn't quite like as much. (laughs) Okay. So, Uh. real quick, so inhaling a bunch of formaldehyde, would that preserve your lungs? Well, I, I keep wondering that. I keep Did wondering ever, that. Maybe I'm going to live forever because of all the formaldehyde. You'll uh, never have any, <laughs> any lung damage. <laughs> yeah, you, just, uh, it never ever, gets bad. Did you ever get the uh, like the the high off of it? Like where where like a, after you the, apparently that it's supposed to like make you really like woozy. No, I I can't say that that ever happened. I didn't know that would happen with formaldehyde. Yeah, it's supposed um, to be like formaldehyde. You got to uh, smoke it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is it? Is it? It has to be. It has to be. Yeah, it okay. has to be uh, inhaled. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, he said he was inhaling the fumes, so I figured maybe. Well, like, so it has to be like. Yeah, it's got to be activated. activated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Via fire. There's a thing. Yeah. There's a thing called. There's a thing called Sherman. That's a slang for uh for formaldehyde. That we call people, it wet down here. Yeah, wet. They the people people dip drugs and stuff in them and and smoke it. Uh, no. Uh, that, that's, no. Yeah, what? Yeah, because it makes you. They call it wet because it makes you feel like you're swimming. No, wet is PCP, bro. What? Wet is PCP. Oh, yeah, wet is PCP. If you're getting wet, it means you're you're smoking PCP. Sorry, Rick. I'm going to get that today. (laughs) (laughs) That's embalming fluid. (laughs) Yeah, the the strangest thing was, I mean, some of the, the smaller specimens were like in alcohol. And I cannot remember what this particular thing was. I, I want to say it might have been uh, one or two millimeters long. Um, and so I was taking them out and putting them in the dishes. And one of them started swimming around. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and then eventually stopped. And, I, you know, I don't know if it was a reaction to being moved out and it was just the alcohol or whether the thing was actually alive, but it was like, you know, it was, it was kind of strange. Yeah, that's yeah. Hey, uh, quick, quick, uh, chip in real quick. If Ian is not going to be back, and we're probably going to do another part of this, uh, do you want to have Dylan come in, and that way we at least have four people that we can all ask questions, and then next will be Ian? I'll see if Dylan wants to jump in. Oh, he's, oh, he's, he's right there. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I know. I was uh, like, well, I, I thought he was going back. I was asking, I was asking outside. Matt too if he's cool with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, did you did you want to jump in and be a fourth person to ask? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I guess work. Oh yeah, I mean, like 
two or three minutes yeah. so I can hop in. Y'all can keep going. Yeah, yeah. You just join in just whenever. Just join yeah. in. Well, I'll give you the signal before I do so okay. I can tell everybody. Else. Okay, cool. Awesome. All right. And All right, action. Go ahead. Continue. All right. So uh, uh, back to high school. Um, so even though there were like 360 kids in my graduating class, which I know is small compared to uh, some of the Texas schools, especially around Austin, um, you know, a lot of the people were not interested in going to college. And so I was in the, quote, academic program. Um, and two of us were in competition to become the valedictorian. Um, and so we got to the senior year, and it was, it was neck and neck. Uh, I won't mention her name, uh, but I decided I was going to take calculus, which was an option. Um, and instead, she took typing, um, and I still ended up as a valedictorian. So, yeah, go go nerds! Yeah, <laughs> <Just> outplayed. Okay. <laughs> okay, so uh, so off to college, um, and you know, college was kind of an interesting thing. Uh, you know, we did not have a lot of money, um, and there is a school in Western Pennsylvania, uh, in Indiana, Pennsylvania, called Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Uh, it's part of the state-owned system. I think there are 13 of them. One of the uh, more famous is Slippery Rock, because uh, football scores always get reported from there. Anyway, so there was a branch in Catanning. And so my first year, I lived at home, and I would literally walk to, to school. It was, you know, I don't know, maybe five blocks and in a place where you would uh, hang out. And I started, because I was so inspired by my high school math teacher, I started out uh, wanting to teach math. So I started in math education. Um, and the branch, because it was relatively small and the teachers, excuse me, commuted in, uh, didn't have a lot in terms of sciences. So they had physical science one and two, which was really more for liberal arts majors. And they would teach, I think it was chemistry and biology was one semester, and then you got a semester of physics and astronomy. So that's what I took there, along with math courses and some of the other basics. Um, I can't remember if I took English comp there. You had to take at least 10 credits of English um, and I did two semesters, comp one and two, and I think I did a poetry class. There you go. Um, uh, was yeah. was astrology was uh, not astrology? Astronomy was that required? Was that a required class? Well, it was. Yeah, it was part. Of, if anybody who went to the to IUP had to take, I think, two semesters, four credit hours of a science class. Oh, and you just chose astronomy. And so okay, physical okay. science. Uh, was the the easiest way to go, and again, it was kind of a, a an overview of biology, chemistry one semester, physics, astronomy the other semester. Okay, that's not bad. So yeah, so okay. you get like four different sciences in two semesters of class. Like honestly, that's really 
awesome. That's that's crazy because you know usually like in at least high school how it was for me in Bastrop and stuff or how it was for all of us right it's you know you had like one science an entire year and then right. you know you went to the next one next year and so on and so forth. Um, that's that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean it was really just an overview. Uh, it actually came back to a certain extent to bite me later um, because then I went to main campus. There was really nothing else I could do. Uh, you could get two years in there if you were just going for, you know, kind of a liberal arts degree. Um, so I went to main campus and, you know, so I had, you know, more serious um, math classes and my first real physics class. And what I found, uh, first of all, we had something called transformational geometry, uh, which I thought was a really cool course. And I felt really cheated in high school where you had all those stupid proofs you had to do. Um, in transformational geometry, you would prove it for a special case and then show that it was invariant under a whole bunch of transformations. And it was one heck of a lot easier than the stuff you had to do in high school geometry. Now, maybe today they're teaching transformational geometry in high no, school. No, no. Geometry in high school still sucks. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 hey what is the, what's what's the the side of this rhombus equal blah 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 and then yeah it's it's dumb it's, yeah it's it's essentially like they're trying to teach a kid how to measure shapes rather than actually show you know geometry yep but. so um yeah so I was taking the math courses I was enjoying them for the uh, for the most part um, although when you get into you know group theory and things like that. It was like, eh, I'm not sure about this. And I was learning more math in my physics class than I was in my math classes because it, yeah, it, there was something physical about it. You know, sorry, I don't mean to be redundant there. <laughs> uh, but it made sense in terms of, you know, where the calculus was, you know, came from or why it was, why it was being used. Um, and the same was true with things like, Differential equations. I still remember the, the the professor I had for differential equations. Uh, he was an older guy, uh, very smart, very good in terms of of teaching. He had the book literally memorized. Oh, someone would ask him a question, and he would tell you what page to turn to in the book. Oh, nice. That's, that's, a good that's that's a superpower in itself. It, it, it's yeah, sad. it's really sad to yeah. think that you don't you don't see teachers like that anymore. And if you do, it's it's their rare cases rather than the norm because it used to be there was a norm to how teachers acted and behaved well, and and taught, and now it's it's all out the window. I had a gym <laughs> teacher teach me geometry. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> uh, no, I had so I had a um, I had an actual geometry teacher. I had a uh, gym teacher teach me history for uh, yeah, same. a semester a semester and i said no i'm not and you. i also had a gym teacher teach me um uh computer animation a gym teacher made me better myself by going into ap because i couldn't deal with him teaching me because it was <laughs> no it was a it was a football coach that teach that taught yeah. me animation and he tried to make me do burpees i don't remember <laughs> why he tried to. I wasn't the kind of in the person middle of just, class. Yeah, I wasn't the kind of person to just take that from anybody. Uh, I, no, straight up, <laughs> I'm not, oh, I'm not no. even in football. What are you talking about? By the way, while we're, while we're sidetracked, uh, we have a uh, our special guest from last episode is uh, back uh, since Ian couldn't be here for this 
uh, Ian decided. Ian decided that being at work means that you actually have to do things uh, work related. <laughs> so he dipped out. Guy. He dipped uh, out on the episode. He's a terrible person. Everybody uh, just. So oh, everyone, we have we have uh, we have Dylan here uh, to fill in for this episode. Ian easy. Ian will, Ian will be back for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no. Uh, Rick, you were talking about your your teacher. Sorry. Yeah, um, and I still remember. Uh, I guess it was my junior year. I had statistics, probability and statistics. And I still remember some of that uh, these days. But I didn't show up for a lot of the classes. Um, you know, I can't remember that particular uh, semester, um, but I maybe ended up with half the classes. Would that and, happen to um, be when you and your wife met? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, actually, it was probably the semester before I met Leslie. Uh, of course, yeah. Uh, semester before I met Leslie, so it was the first semester of my uh, of my junior year. Leslie, uh, Leslie and I, is, uh, I, you know, I had I, I was slacking off a little bit. I uh, had a B going into the final, and I had to get like a ninety six out of a hundred uh, to pull the A off. Um, and uh and i did manage that but the telling factor was in the last exam we had and he was going around to hand out the papers um he obviously didn't recognize me uh because he looked at the paper and he said uh is there a miss mcmaster here <laughs> so anyway uh, but we had a lot of fun uh, in the uh, in the physics classes. Uh, I was a lab assistant. It was a way to uh, to earn some extra money. Um, I actually had a very small uh, college debt compared to uh, to most of the people these days. Uh, it was me- measured in three digits, not six digits, yeah. uh, which was kind of nice. It was also the advantage of going to a place like IUP. Uh, because it was it was a good education. Um, the the teachers were more interested in educating the students than they were in doing uh, than in doing research. That's good. Yeah. So so I like that. So anyway, we had a a new guy come in, a new teacher come into the physics department, and he had all these great ideas for physical science class. And one of the things was, you know, you know, air tables, right? From air hockey and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Well, he came up with a different way of doing it because those things are expensive if you're going to outfit an entire lab with them. Uh, he found something called, uh, what is it? Instant banana peel. Have you ever heard of instant banana peel? No. No. It is these tiny, micro beads uh, of plastic and you spread them across the surface it was being used for riot control so if you had a bunch of people rioting what you would do is you spray this stuff on the ground and everybody would just thought they couldn't stand up anymore because it was like walking on a, t- a bunch of tiny little balls that you had no friction what yeah so, like, um, instant banana peel, like, it, it yeah, because it makes you slip. That's so funny. It makes you, 
It's like slipping out of an anapil, except, you know, it's really physics. So what we would do is we would take the regular lap tables and we would clamp two by fours around the perimeter. And then you would dump this in the middle. And it would spread out across the table. And you essentially had a near frictionless surface on which you could do, you know, collision experiments. Was was Mario Kart a thing at that time? Because Nintendo no. and stuff. No, not yet. No. I, just I mean, imagine, back then, I, you know, the, it was Pong. I, I imagine. I imagine oh, nowadays if they have to use days. that. Yeah, yeah I, I imagine Pong nowadays if they have to use that stuff. That into banana field. They just call it the Mario Kart special. <laughs> the Mario Kart special. That's great. On, That's boy, great. We gotta, we gotta get the Mario Kart special out. So, um, okay, so back to, to, back to college days. Um, so my junior year, uh, I lived in an apartment with uh, three other guys. And, you know, we would do all kinds of crazy things. I had a toboggan. And uh, back in Pennsylvania, it actually snowed. Uh, we had a place called College Lodge uh, that was part of the university. And, uh, but it had hours. And so we went out with a toboggan, and uh, lo and behold, uh, it was closed. So we said, heck, you know, there's a lot of snow in the ground. Uh, and so we just pulled off to the side uh, of the road to College Lodge, and we took the toboggan, and we started making our own run with it. And we got further and further and further. And I think this was like a three- or four four-person toboggan. So all of a sudden, uh, we're heading down. We're going nice and fast. Um, we didn't realize that there was like this, I don't know, two or three-foot three wall, a drop from the upper section to the lower section. And so it kind of jarred us all. <laughs> I bet. We took the toboggan back up. How fast were you going? I don't Do you think? know. Like, well, like if you had to put, what? If you if you had to like, yeah, put a yeah, obviously didn't have a didn't have a radar gun or anything, but like you were going with the flow of the river. Well, not the river, but oh. yeah, I mean the, 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 the oh the run that we had. Oh, toboggans. Oh, toboggan, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a snow sled. For some reason, I'm thinking that mark. you're kayaking. Ocean. I'm not. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess you could you could you could actually make a run with the um, uh, instant banana peel, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you think you think the instant snow? banana peel would work on a heavy vehicle? Yeah. I mean, hey, you just uh, the the problem is the the micro beads are all going to go downhill, and they yeah. get the bottom. Oh well. Um, uh -huh. So anyway, so we took the toboggan up. And we started the run again, and all of a sudden, the toboggan just absolutely stopped solid. Oh. And we all flew off. Well, it ended up that when we went over that wall, one of the, the runners on the toboggan had actually broken. Oh, God. And so... We started the run, everything was good until enough snow got underneath that and the runner jammed into the ground and uh, threw us all. Um, but one of, one of the roommates 
was heavily into cars and bought one of the uh, fiberglass patching kits and patched up the toboggan so we could use it again. Hell yeah. Nice. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. That's some ingenuity right there. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, right. So, um, at some point, maybe it was at the end of my uh, sophomore year, I decided I was going to switch into physics. Um, the problem was this physical science class. And if you were in a the natural sciences, the requirements were different. And you had to have a lot more science. Um, not, I mean, math I was good on because I was going to be a math, I was a math major. Okay, so I had no problems meeting the math requirements. The physics requirements or the science requirements were different. I convinced my advisor that we should count the physical science uh, sequence so I could graduate on time um, instead of going out and taking chemistry, although the chemistry would have been fun. Uh, the, by the way, the last chemistry class I ever had, other than the physical science, was 11th grade in high school. Okay, so I am by no means a uh, a chemist. <laughs> hey, you um, do some you do some pretty cool stuff though. Well, I I I I can learn chemistry on my own, um, you know, but I hated balancing equations. Yeah, yeah. So, but the the problem was I was a lot of credit short, you know. Uh, so what I ended up doing uh, was taking a lot of credits. Um, the university would not allow you to take any more than I think 21 credits, credit hours. And so there was one time I had to take 21 and I needed a sequence, quantum mechanics one and two. So I had a deal with the professor who was teaching it. I said, look, I will come in, I will take your class. I will take all the tests. I'll do all the homework, but I can't have credit for the class. And uh, but it would let me take quantum too. And uh, so he said, "Yeah," and that he would put a note in my file uh, that I had met all the requirements for for quantum one. Oh, that's awesome! That's so, really cool. MVP right there, absolutely. So anyway, um, so as 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 Tim knows. Um, uh, I no, uh, hang on, cut that out. Uh, we, I, you yeah. gotta call me Swaggy on here. I know it's probably hard for you to oh, say. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. So, as uh, as Swaggy McGee knows, <laughs> uh, I uh, I met my wife during my junior year. We got married that summer. Uh, so, we were both uh, undergraduates uh, and uh, living in an apartment. Uh, we had bicycles so we could take to school or or, again, we could walk. Because uh, we lived in Indiana, and I don't know, it was probably a fifteen-minute walk uh, to to get to the to the university. Um, and so I got through my senior year. And let me tell you, back then, undergraduates in physics, um, there weren't many jobs. So decided that I would go on to graduate school. Um, applied. Oh, I, didn't, you didn't, I, I didn't hear you go over it, but what what actually made you switch over to physics rather than? Uh, I was learning more math in my physics classes than I was in the math classes. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I like that. That's cool. Yeah. So, because it made sense. Yeah. Um, you know, if you were in chemistry, group theory made sense. If you were in physics, calculus made more sense. Did you ever have to take a, I know it's more of like a chemistry thing, but did you ever have to take a trig one and two? Uh, I didn't have to take those because I'd had them in high school. Oh, okay. Um, so the the uh, the classes at at college were you know you started with the calculus. But yeah, I I mean I had trig one and two and you know Pythagorean's theorem and uh, isosceles triangles and um, I don't know if that trig. That's that's more that's more uh, geometry. Geometry. Yeah. Um, you know. Interior angles, exterior angles, that's geometry again. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I have had trig. You're talking, um, talking long, we're talking long division, uh, uh, quantum fraction, stuff like that for, for trig. I've never heard of quantum fractions. Where they fraction a fraction and you have to divide that on a, on top of a fraction. It's, it's, uh, I don't know if okay. it's actually called quantum fractions, but fractions, but that's how I remember them. Okay. They're they're annoying and it's it's they're putting something inside of another thing. Yeah, it was times, it so. was irritating. Yeah, that was yeah. that was my senior year in high school math class trigonometry, and it was. See, they didn't offer trigonometry in my school. They offered uh, calculus two, uh, AP calc. I mean. Okay. Yeah. I took okay. That. So when I grew up, when when I was so, but you graduated the year before me, right, Swags? Yeah, we took so in, in Elgin, we took algebra one. Oh, you then, graduated from Elgin. Yeah, we took algebra one, and then we took geometry, mm -hmm. and then we took uh, algebra two, and then AP Calc if you had enough math credits. Otherwise, you took uh, you took pre oh. um, uh advanced advanced mathematics, mm -hmm. or whatever fuck it's called, something something stupid like that. Yeah, no, in Bastrop, yeah, I was, I, I I took trig for my senior math. I wish they would have given me trig. No, it's, uh, remind me, trig. Uh, trig. Is that when you get quadratic formula? That's algebra. Okay. Uh, so I guess it goes. It goes kind of kind of trig. I mean, algebra plays into trigonometry a lot. Okay. Who remembers the quadratic formula? A squared plus b squared equals c squared. No, that's profound. Oh, no, no, Never mind. <laughs> Wait for what? Uh, so nobody. No, no. Come I, on, I, I, I need to hear the, the Pythagorean theorem. I still okay. remember it. Minus b, plus or minus the square root of pi. Pi. No. No. B I squared don't minus four ac all over two a. Yeah, I don't remember. It's, all that. It, you know, it's it's a solution to ax squared plus bx plus c equals zero. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that was in, yeah. was that in calculus? That's no, algebra. I don't think it was calculus. I think it. I don't know. It was algebra. I guess it yeah, was it, that. Yeah, it's algebra. algebra oh, okay. Yeah, I do there. remember that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking, trying to think of derivatives and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pimdas, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could solve a differential equation if my life depended on it today. Oh. I might <laughs> I, I am extremely good at, at simple math, like in my head and stuff like that, uh, like like multiplication, division, fractions, stuff like that. But dude, when it comes to long division and and doing stuff on paper, I hate it because I, I know I'm so used to like trying to show work that I, when I solve it, I'm just like, okay, well, how did I get to this? Then uh, sucks. I love math. <laughs> I do. I love math. I just, I just, I, I, I do too. I but I mean, I knew it when I was in math class, but 
I haven't had to use that stuff for years. Yeah, right. As a carpenter? <laughs> Excuse me? Well, <laughs> I have to measure things and <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's you nothing to, measure, to that. add, subtract, like No, no, yeah, that's That's it. Easy stuff. Do that in my head in a second. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Don't but say you haven't I'm used talking, he doesn't have carpenter. to use the quadratic formula when geometry. framing a house. He does, yeah. but he doesn't realize it. He doesn't call it that when he's using it. Yeah, and I guess I do it a different way. And I don't remember all the trig identities of, you know, what's the sine of theta over two? Oh, yeah, 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 all that. Oh, oh, like no, a simple math. Know? Simple math is good. Did you ever learn casting out nines? Oh, no. Maybe. No. I know. I know the. I always know nines because once you get like, everything, everything goes up. It uh, goes down by a number as you go up by a number. The opposite side goes down. And then once you get to 100, everything's always two less than it was. So it's, it's that's the easiest way I remember. That was weird. Yeah. Well, so, so 9, weird. 18, 9, 18, 1, 8, 27, 2, 7, 8 goes down to 7. Yeah, okay. up to two. And then as you go up to 100, uh, after, after 99, you get 108. And then it'll be 108. And then you go to uh, 117, 117. So it's just, yeah. You're two less on each number than you were on the last one. It happens every time you go up a hundred. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, you have just blown my mind, sir. <laughs> you didn't I, you I taught that to myself. No! I taught it to myself in third grade because my teacher. I just oh, not get my Lanta. That that is something else. Well, casting out nines was just a way of checking addition, because if if you had a number like. Well, 27. You know, 2 plus 7 is 9. It counts as a 0. And so what you could do is reduce each of the numbers to much simpler numbers, add them up. Anytime you got a 9, you would just throw it away. Yeah. And if you ended up with, you know, the, this column of numbers ended up with a 7, and you did the cast out of 9s in the total, and you came up with 7, uh, the chances were good that you were right. Um, if you came up with a different number than seven, uh, then guess what? Um, it, you knew it was wrong. I so like that. Those, That's interesting. Let's see. Uh, I don't know, false positive or false negative. Um, and seven is just an example. Um, so and if you came up with a nine, it should add up to zero. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We got back onto math. Well, I mean, that's that's what all I mean. This is the whole point is where this is what you specialize in. So, <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I mean, a lot of the math that I learned, uh, I could no longer do. I mean, maybe if I picked up a book and read it a little bit, but things like you know, partial differential equations and tensors and all of that, uh, it just it has been way too long. Yeah, so, understandable. It's been too long for us, and we're we're only eight years out of high, ten years out of high school for me. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, so, y'all's a reunion's coming up. Oh, it is crazy. So back to college. Uh, so there were no jobs, um, and so graduate school, physics. Uh, I applied to eight colleges and got accepted at seven. Uh, and kind of made my mind up. Um, and this is not necessarily the m- most positive thing uh, to go to RPI. And um, 
Uh, by the way, the, the school that rejected me uh, was Wesleyan University in Connecticut. Um, and uh, my, my high school, my, sorry, my college advisor um, thought it was funny because that's where he got his PhD. Um, uh. But they were changing their programs around and they weren't accepting any new PhD students. So RPI, uh, long story, short story uh, from uh, you know, the experience, moved up there. They didn't have the married graduate student housing ready. Uh, they actually gave me a key, as they promised, went up, tried the key, didn't work. Security guy comes around and said, what are you doing? It's like, well, hey, we're moving into this apartment. And he said, uh, they're still under construction. I was like, what? Oh, no. So, um, what, I ended up, what we ended up doing... Uh, was going back they put us up because graduate students our new graduate students showed up early uh we were living in one of the undergraduate dorms before the undergraduates came in um we still had all of our uh, limited furniture in a uh, u-haul and we came back and uh, somebody had broken the walk off and all of our stuff was strewn all over the parking lot um so definitely not a good time to start so I went back to a, uh, IUP uh, for my master's degree, uh, called up my advisor, said, sure, you can get in. We don't have any money for you. Uh, so um, I painted houses uh, to earn some money. That's how to do it. What's that? That's how to do it. The, the hustle is yeah. real. So got my master's degree, applied to schools. Um, it came down to, I think, a, a couple this time. I think I only applied to three because they started charging a lot of money to apply. Um, and it was the choice between Ohio State and uh, UConn. And I ended up at, uh, at UConn. Um, Imagine if you had been a Buckeyes oh. fan. We would have gotten along so much better at the beginning, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. The University of Connecticut, eh? Yeah, University of Connecticut. The Huskies. The Huskies, yeah, yeah. That's what's up. All right. And what, and um, that's where you ended up getting your PhD? What's that? That's that's where you ended up getting your PhD? Yeah, yeah I did. I did. Nice. So, oh, how much, know. like, oh. years of schooling, what, what, would, what would that have been total? Like, I'd not. Not from like, you know, pre-K through like your senior in high school and stuff, but like. Okay, okay. so it was four, four years of undergraduate, two years for a uh, master's, and then six for the PhD. Plus your four base, right? Well, yeah, I mean that, yeah, the undergraduate was the four years. Oh, okay. okay yeah, okay, okay. right. And then 10 after that? No. No, no, no. 10 Eight total. 10 total. Eight Eight total, total after that, and then another total. six for the PhD. Oh, okay, and then another six after. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what did what did wow. you write your thesis on? Uh, heat pulse propagation in superconducting lead indium alloys. Okay, you okay. want to you want to break that down? Or what what, what <laughs> that consist of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Enlighten us. Uh, people would measure things like thermal conductivity of a material. Uh, what they would do is they would put a heat source at one end and a uh, a cold sink at the other end and they would in the middle 
measure the difference between the temperatures. So you understood uh, the the thermal conductivity, uh, you know, how fast the heat was moving from one to end to the other. So essentially, like how much but, heat you got in the middle of it, on, and then on either side. So essentially, you're they're measuring what what the like how much the cold can hold off the heat. Yeah, you're you're measuring the the change in temperature from one section to another. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, okay, okay, okay. That's yeah. that's that's cool. Yeah, but there was this, there is a different way to do it where you do it with a transient pulse of heat, and you look at the change of the shape of the pulse as it moves from one end to the or well one one section to another section. Oh, that's cool. all different temperatures, all different heats and stuff, right? So you're going to see like a fluctuating in it, right? Yeah, because it, it, it all and periodically, and there's a lot of noise. So you have to do what's called signal averaging to dig the signal out of the noise. Uh, so you're doing thousands, tens of thousands of repetitions to get the actual shape. And then there you can look at that shape and from the shape of the curve and fitting it to with some parameters you can determine various things from the that in terms of the the physical properties so so there was you know it was an interesting experience um so you you learn to to run an evaporator uh where you take a a molybdenum or tungsten boat and you put a material in it, you put a high current through it, and you evaporate that onto a surface. Um, okay. Is that just to see what, what, what the current does to it, or what's the purpose behind that? No, what, what you're doing is, is producing a thin film. Oh, uh, oh the, so you're I making mean, like a filament out of, the, out of it by, by putting the, the charge through it, it, it like evaporates into like a filament almost. Right. That's right. cool. Okay. okay. So, I mean, the, the samples I had were crystals of a lead indium alloy and i did various levels of indium within the lead and what you would do is you would actually grow the crystals by slowly these were in like a, a carbon mold then you would slice them up um, with a uh, uh, basically a spark saw and uh so those were the samples and the evaporation or well that the then the next thing since that is a superconductor at uh, liquid helium temperatures um you have to put an insulating layer down and with the insulating layer uh it was uh silicon dioxide quartz and um uh, so i had to learn to do a uh, to run a sputtering unit um, where you get a plasma one? and you have this stuff depositing on the surface. Uh, the evaporation was for both the heater where you would put the pulse through, it would generate the heat, and then you had to have something at the other end <clears throat> called a bolometer, uh, basically a, a time-sensitive. Um, we're talking in, in terms of uh, micro to milliseconds. Uh, in terms of responses, and, and, what, so and what, do you, what, what do y'all use to what do you use to capture that? I mean, especially back in that day, how did y'all even manage to 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 record that kind of stuff? Uh, they there are various ways to do it, both digitally and analog. Really? Um, so <clears throat> what you would do 
is there's something called a Josephson effect, which is depends on tunneling through a barrier. Uh, it's a quantum mechanical phenomenon. And I we I, we probably don't want to get into this level of detail. Uh, but what you would do, what I would do is I would deposit a superconductor in a partially oxidizing atmosphere. So you would get these particles that had a small oxide layer around them. And you could then bias those with a magnetic field so that you were in this transition period between a superconductor and an insulator. And so you would actually be taking that temperature change and turning it into a voltage change. And the voltage change then uh, would go through your signal averager. So there actually is a visual component. that You can actually get a visual component of that, too. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so I mean, nuts. You actually get to science is crazy. I I thought I see that's uh, so nuts, dude. <laughs> that must have been really fun. Oh, it was. It was, and you know we had a lot of a, a lot of fun in the labs. Um, but I had a question with your with your static knife. How how did y'all cut the materials without causing a reaction? What now? Do you mean the lead? Well, any of it. I mean, if you if you said you had to cut different materials, you use a static knife most of the time. But I was just wondering how, like, because like, if you okay, it was a sparking tool. Sparking tool. Um, that you know, it was a wire that would spark through, and then you would carefully polish the the surfaces. Okay. This was used on the material that came from the top, right? Uh no, this would be like the lead. Yeah, like the base. Oh. Of the, yeah, the, oh. but that's that's what I was that's what I was curious because it's, so it's only for the lead then, right? The other oh, okay, the, okay, the okay. you would you know not deposit, and we had things like you know yeah you, you had to obviously have shielded cables. Uh, you can't take a normal uh, coax cable and run it down in. So you have something called micro coax, uh, which is teeny tiny. Uh, with a teeny tiny wire inside, an insulator, and then a stainless steel tube on the outside. The other thing you have to be careful about since you're dealing with very low temperatures is that you don't have a lot of heat going into it. Um, I mean, you look at some of the the um, quantum computers today, uh, and people have to be very careful. You see all these gigantic wire, not gigantic, but a large number of uh, the micro coax going down into where they're the actual devices. That's crazy. Oh, and, oh yeah, yeah. For everyone, for everyone in the audience, uh, he is a he has PhD is in low temperature physics. By the way, in case he didn't say that, I don't I don't know if it was brought up, but that's why we're talking and about for those this who, who who don't know uh, liquid helium uh, uh, under normal atmospheric pressure is uh, four point two uh, degrees Kelvin. So it's sorry, not degrees, four point two Kelvin. Um, it's really, really cold. What does that translate to? And uh, I can't off the top of my head think about it. What's the, the translate to into Fahrenheit? Fahrenheit? Um, about negative 400 and, I don't know, 54. Yeah, because I know like 27 Kelvin is like a minus 100 degrees or something like that, if I remember right. Uh, maybe I may have that yeah, wrong. Yeah, it's colder so. than that. It's yeah. colder. Jeez. Colder than that, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolute zero is um, a negative two seventy three. 
uh, Celsius, it is negative um, 459 Fahrenheit. And so we're dealing with 4.2 degrees above absolute zero. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. So, uh, and then you can actually get to lower temperatures by pumping on it. Uh, helium is interesting in that under its own vapor pressure, it always stays a liquid. To get a solid, you actually have to pressurize it. So, like, if, if you were to take a, uh, a beaker of water and put it in a bell jar and start pumping on it, eventually it would freeze. If you take liquid nitrogen, which is 77 right. Kelvin, you know, and you pump on it, it will eventually freeze. Helium will never freeze under its own vapor pressure. Wow. Fun facts. Fun facts yeah, with Rick. So you um, can, how, did, how did you contain something that cold, 4.2 degrees above absolute zero? Like, like, how did you guys, you know, what material did you all use to keep that contained? Like, I, like, as so you could test it and stuff, you know? Okay. What you have is called a Dewar nest, D-E-W-A-R. Um, uh, no relation to the alcohol. Uh, so you have, you have an outer Dewar. I think of it as a vacuum bottle, a vacuum, you know, you put your coffee in. Okay, so the ones I used at UConn were glass, which is kind of cool. Uh, the ones I used at IUP were uh, stainless steel, so you couldn't see inside. Um, right, right. You have an outer jacket. You have a vacuum. You have an inner jacket. That's your outer door. Okay. Then you have an inner door, which is, again, same kind of configuration. You know, in this case, glass. Not necessarily a vacuum and a uh, an inner glass. Okay. Now, what you do is you put liquid nitrogen in that outside door. So it's 77 degrees Kelvin. 77 Kelvin. Mm. Then you put some amount of nitrogen gas in the... Um, inner jacket, the inner doer jacket, so you have thermal transfer initially. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you put your cryostat down in there and you sit it, let it sit overnight to get down to 77 Kelvin. Yeah, so it doesn't just that shatter. Pump out and make a vacuum around that, uh, the inner doer. Okay, so you've now eliminated as much as possible that direct conduction of, of heat. And then you transfer the uh, liquid helium in. Um, and it takes a lot of helium to cool everything down from 77 to 4. Um, and, yeah. you know, and then now, you... And, and so that kept the glass from, like, getting too brittle to break? And I mean, or was it like thick plexiglass or... It's plex you know, they're plexiglass. It's not very thick. Uh, not, it's not. It's not like it's like actual glass. The you make it, the more helium it's going to take to cool it down. Okay, okay. that's fair. Okay, if you ever seen a uh, a doer of, of liquid nitrogen, um, no, I have. Uh, I mean, it's it's fairly <laughs> large. It's probably I don't know five feet high, um, three feet in diameter. Um, 
when you buy the liquid helium, it comes in something about that same size, and you get about 30 liters. Rick has okay. one. Okay, so 30 liters is, you know, enough to keep you going uh, for a day. Uh, we would usually only do one transfer in. Um, it would take about an hour to do the, the transfer um, and cool everything down. And then you would start pumping on it. Uh, and, you know, you may enjoy this. Um, there's something called a walker regulator. So you have to have a way of keeping the pressure above the liquid helium constant. Okay, because if it varies, the temperature of the helium is going to vary. If the pressure goes up, the temperature is going to go up. If pressure goes down, it goes down. So what you do is you set a reference pressure in a fairly large volume. I don't know. Uh, this was probably a foot in diameter, maybe six inches deep. And what you do is you pump through that to keep the pressure constant. So what you need is a diaphragm that will collapse or expand depending on the pressure that's coming out of the uh, the liquid helium of that doer. And to do that, you need a very thin piece of rubber tubing. Um, and what you do though is uh, the the best way to do it is to go out to the local drugstore and buy some old-fashioned uh, Trojan condoms, cut the tip off of them, and mount it with two O-rings, and you pump through that. And so I was always careful that when I would, you know, eventually you have to replace those, um, you, I would always make sure the Trojan label faced outward so people could see it. <laughs> that's funny. That is fantastic. <laughs> that is awesome. That's a great one. Yeah. That's good marketing. So, that's free advertisement. Uh, what's that? That's a, that was free advertisement for them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> hey, um, you know, none of the fancy ones. You know, none of the pre lubes or any of that. I got, uh, right, I got, right. I got a question for you, Rick. This is yeah. this, this is a comedy podcast. So let's get into some comedy real quick. What uh? What were the big condom brands when you were when you were younger? What were the the go tos? Uh, Trojan. I think it was probably about the only thing they had. Really? It was fun going into the drugstore and saying, uh, "I need a dozen. Uh, I need a dozen Trojans." I mean, this was <laughs> when they had them behind the counter. This the is counter. when it just. I, I just picture you with your your big fro like, you walking know, into the store with your mustache. Yeah, I was like, yeah. You know, oh, I'm sorry. These are for scientific purposes. <laughs> scientific uh, only. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, believe that. The, uh, the department yeah. secretary and asking for reimbursement <laughs> for buying condoms, <laughs> right? That, or you know, you need to talk to Trojan and get some royalties. That's you know, that's you have to forget free advertisement, they need to pay up, yeah. So, second parter, were sheepskin condoms more popular back then? Like, did y'all did, so, did you see a lot more? I, I didn't think they were that, that popular, they were a lot more expensive. Oh really? Yeah, that makes sense. I just, so, I just curious as like to, as if it was different. I knew Trojan's always been like a bigger brand. I didn't know if Durex was around at that time or you know yeah. any of the other <laughs> styles or whatever the hell they are. I don't. Yeah, know I don't. They didn't have brands. multiple colors or 
you know, ribbed or anything like that. Yeah, they, they right, didn't care about right. women back in the day either, so. <laughs> so um, yeah. Well, uh, one of the cool things about having a glass doer nest um, is that you can, what's what's called uh, the lambda transition for liquid helium. Um, and uh, you can't do it in stainless steel because you can't see it. But you can actually look inside and you can see the liquid helium bubbling away as you're pumping on it. Uh, because, you know, let's face it, he is going to get in there no matter how hard you try. Does, yeah. it, does it evaporate sheerly because of the other the other material or whatever, the other liquid just being so much warmer yeah. than it? Yeah, I mean, you can't protect oh, okay. it. I mean, you the, you know, the you can have silver doors that keep some of the radiation out. Um but you're always going to get some amount of heat that's going in there. Yeah, that makes sense. There's no way to prevent it. I wonder if they, wonder if they've, they've done anything recently that that prevents that now, and they have an easier way so they don't go well, through people, so much. People get down to, um, you know, uh, at least micro Calvin, um, but it's it's a lot more elegant. I mean, you go from a helium four refrigerator to a helium three refrigerator, just a different isotope of helium. You can get down to about 0.6. You get into dilution refrigerators, uh, uh, which is kind of a cool mixture of helium three and helium four. Uh, and then you get into all kinds of more elegant ways to get to, to even lower temperatures. Yeah. Uh, but lambda transition is kind of an interesting, it's it's like a macroscopic thing that you can see is happening on a microscopic or quantum level. Um, when you hit 2.17 Kelvin uh, and you're pumping on it, it will be boiling furiously. And the next moment, the surface will be completely still. So crazy. Because like anything that's generated immediately, uh, a helium atom will uh evaporate from the surface that's crazy and so from four two point one seven down you no longer have the boiling uh you are losing helium um but yeah anyway so i would go down to a 1.2 calvin and that would be it um but it was interesting you know I, you, there were a lot of things you had to do by yourself <clears throat> Yeah, I learned to run a lathe. I learned to run a milling machine. Um, I, now, a I have, a, have a quick question, and this might be a dumb question. Is there anything okay. colder than absolute zero? No. Well, uh, thermodynamically. Because you said micro Kelvin, and I'm like, is that colder than absolute zero? No. No. I, I, micro Kelvin would be point zero 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 one. Okay, because oh. obviously zero Kelvin is absolute zero, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thermodynamically, there are some uh, things that you can talk to talk to about order and disorder, and but physically, as far as I know, they don't exist. Okay. Uh, absolute uh, zero. Maybe, maybe black, black hole. hole. Yeah. So absolute zero is the temperature of space. It's actually a little warmer than that. Yeah, it's a couple. I think the background out. radiation is is like two Kelvin. Yeah, so I, say, I thought it was like two or three Kelvin, something like that. Cold enough though. Cold oh, enough. Yeah. <laughs> Dying yeah. seconds. Dying seconds. It's, is that why your name is Doctor Cold with a K? Yeah. Is that why your name is Doctor Cold? 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> he also he used to go by that. He did uh, school functions and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I used to do, and maybe he still will do, um, a uh, series of demos called How Cold is Cold. Yeah, and, I've, got, uh, I've, got so, shoes, I've got your shoes in my closet still waiting for you. Yeah, so <clears throat> I do a bunch of stuff with dry ice uh, and with liquid nitrogen. And we'd have fun. No, no liquid helium. Uh, too difficult to carry around. Plus, you know, what would you do with it? Um, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, you could, no, um, you, could, you could talk like Donald Duck. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, in fact, that was one of the things we used to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. When you open up the the uh, the door to do the transfer, uh, you obviously get a lot of helium gas coming off, and yeah. uh, you have to be careful because it is it is cold. But if you you could go in and take a deep breath, you know, and talk like Donald Duck um, <laughs> for a while. Um, the first time we got liquid helium. At IUP, uh, it was a big deal. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, we were all gathered around, and uh, one of my friends was there, and he went over and carefully sniffed it and said, Hmm, smells like helium. <laughs> the department chair did not know what to do. <laughs> Uh, no, anyway, um, you just inhaled it. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think we're gonna have to do two parts of this. Uh, we're yeah. Right, right, right I, above an hour. Before we leave, can I can I tell two other stories about UConn, and we'll probably have some others. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I was like, no, we'll probably we'll probably be in here in a second. We're uh, uh, so I was in there working on Saturdays. I mean, Leslie was working retail at the time, and. Uh, she would get Wednesdays off, so I would take Wednesday off. Oh, and I kind of an aside. Um, we would go to uh, West Hartford, sorry, East Hartford, to a big cinema they had there. And we went to see Star Wars on its opening day. 70-millimeter uh, film. Uh, there were like half a dozen of us in the entire theater. Jesus. Imagine if you're into collecting movie posters at that time. Uh, and uh, collecting what? I'm sorry. Movie posters, like you do now. Uh, no, nah, that came later. Yeah, as I'm saying, imagine yeah. if you were. Imagine... You don't have a lot of money. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. one of the uh, one of the recent, recently, one of the uh, original posters from Return of the Jedi just like sold for like eighty five thousand dollars. Wow, that's amazing. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It is eighty five thousand. Not as much as the Black Lotus Magic card. <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about comics right now. We'll do that um, next time when Ian's here. We need Ian to be here for that one. Yeah, the um, so so it's Saturday, right? And I'm uh, my lab is down in the what we call the basement. It was kind of the entry level because you don't want a lot of vibrations uh, getting into this this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, there is the whole building shakes. Well, it ended up that someone was cleaning up his lab. I will not mention his name. Um, and there was sodium. And so what he did was he 
pull out the manual how to dispose of sodium. And so he took the, it was probably about, I don't know, a kilogram of sodium. It was a bar. And he put it in ethyl alcohol. I think it was ethyl. It was alcohol. It was some sort of alcohol. And what you do is you slowly titrate it with, with water to react the sodium. Because if you took a bar of sodium and threw it in the lake, it would burst into flames. Oh, my God. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, go, go, go Google something, and you'll see people who take a bar of sodium and throw it in the lake, and it bursts into flames. Okay. So the problem was that that way of disposing of sodium works for flakes of sodium not for a bar of sodium so suddenly the reaction he realized was getting out of control he was doing it under a chemical hood he slammed the chemical hood shut took off to the emergency phone uh it exploded the whole hood buckled out it blew windows outside windows out it blew the door off into the next laboratory but luckily everybody survived but it made a lot of noise jesus and so did he he get um, in trouble what i we we made fun of him okay no he didn't get in trouble i mean you know mistakes happen you know it was like i had to I i was trying to make a five molar solution of sodium hydroxide. I was doing it under a chemical hood. <laughs> Didn't realize how how much heat is generated. It's an exothermic reaction. Um, and it started boiling. And again, I closed the hood and just let it settle down. Um, anyway, okay. So some stories, if you want a part two, uh, if there's any interest, uh, let me know. We haven't talked anything about uh, some of the other stuff at UConn or uh, working at IBM, we haven't talked about comics. We haven't talked yeah, about yeah. pop definitely, culture. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're we're probably going to have a good couple of parts. Maybe yeah. part three or so. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I could just imagine the the horror stories you have. So probably be a multi-parter for sure. Yeah, yeah. Plenty, yeah. plenty of content. Well, we'll talk about you know all of the uh, escapades on. On the planes before all the before nine eleven. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The cool planes. Oh, cool back when you could smack right. an open window. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you anyway. so, used to be able to open window. <laughs> no, it's a joke. Oh, I was about to say. You used to be able to stand up in the aisles. <laughs> That's yeah. not okay. You know, I always used to take juggling equipment along so I could juggle on the airplane. Jesus. <laughs> so but yes, uh, everyone, thank you. Uh, and this uh, this has been a very fun and, and uh, informative uh, podcast. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, thank you, Dylan, for for stepping in and uh, being a you know a sub for a bit. Thank you, uh, Rick, for coming on and, and uh, entertaining us, revering us I, with your pleasure. stories. Uh, and I think we will see y'all next time, boys and girls. Most definitely appreciate you. Oh yeah, no, this has been a it's been good. And uh, Dylan, you got anything?
Yo, thanks, dude. Ah, there, there you go. There you go, Swags. Uh, bye, y'all. Uh, bye. 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 bye.